When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. For too long, we've talked about having the best economy in the world. We've talked about asserting American leadership around the world. Now, we're finally getting it done. When you pass good legislation, you get good results. We have a bill misnamed the Inflation Reduction Act. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top names. I can imagine how much it brings shudders to Joe Biden's mind to imagine something like this going on. What union is going to say no to him? I mean, Joe Biden is Mr. Union. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. President Biden celebrates Democrats' inflation legislation even as inflation heats up and the markets fall down. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics with a sunny day on the South Lawn today and a down day as you've been hearing on Wall Street, we'll talk about the optics today at the White House and how prices will play in the midterms with Greg Valliere, chief policy strategist at AGF Investments. Joe Manchin's deal to speed up fossil fuel permitting is outraging many Democrats, but how does it actually work and what could it mean for prices this winter? We'll discuss with Frank Mezzano at Bracewell. Our signature panel in place, Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us for the hour. And we start with the lead on Wall Street, worst day since June of 2020. Thanks to that same inflation data. Here to walk us through the carnage is Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Thank you very much, Joe Matthew. CPI Tuesday, steep losses across the board. In fact, every single stock in the NASDAQ 100 index down today, that index plunged 5.5%. By the time it was all over at the close, we were at or near the lows of the day. S&P down 177, a decline there of 4.3%. The Dow was down 1,276 points, a drop there of 3 3.9%. The Nasdaq Composite Index down 632, a drop of 5.2%. The two-year yield now at 3.75%. Ten years at 3.40%. Spot gold up 23 cents the ounce to 17.02 right now. West Texas Intermediate Crude tumbled five tenths of one percent, 87.31 a barrel. So it was a broad-based sell-off. Again, as Joe mentioned, worst day in more than two years after hotter-than-expected inflation data fueled bets on a jumbo hike by the Federal Reserve next week. I'm Charlie Pellet. That Joe Matthew is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
All right, Charlie, thank you. So that's the backdrop to the, the celebration today on the South Lawn. Talk about timing. This is just hours after the CPI came out. Of course, they didn't know what this number was going to be when they planned this. Thousands of people were there at the White House to celebrate passage of, remember, the Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA. The president spoke on a stage today with a wireless mic, wearing shirt sleeves, had the aviators on, and he called out Republicans for not supporting the bill. Here he is. Republicans that could have and should have joined us on this bill as well. After all, this bill cut costs for families, helped reduce inflation at the kitchen table, because that's what they look at, how much of their monthly bills and how much do they have to pay out for their necessities. And it gave them just a little more breathing room, as my dad would say. Of course, they are looking at those bills. And inflation, as we learned this morning, is running hotter than expected right now, despite the efforts of the Fed. Joining us with his thoughts as we barrel down the chute toward the midterms here is Greg Valliere back with us, AGF Investments Chief U.S. Policy Strategist. Greg, what what timing here? I'm assuming they didn't plan to coincide this unless they were rolling the dice on celebrating, you know, the first CPI to show uh, to show a, a real drop here. Uh, how does that resonate across the country? It's just a terrible, terrible buzzkill. What can you say? You're almost <laughs> at a loss for words yes, over an, an event like this. Uh, the Fed obviously has to get really aggressive now. Uh, 75 basis points later this month is a guarantee. There's a minority view that it could be 100 basis points, which I doubt. And then another couple of 50s before the end of the year. So we've got a lot of upside on yields. Officially a buzzkill called by Greg Valier. The, the, <laughs> the headline at the terminal, Greg, this is what investors are reading. Biden's plan to celebrate economy fizzles with inflation roaring. This was supposed to be kind of a pivot in messaging here to move away from the ultra MAGA stuff, which got a lot of people upset, whether it ends up having a positive impact in the long term. It was time to start celebrating the accomplishments. And I assume the White House was hoping there would be data to go along with it. What do you make of this this whole celebration today? Yeah, well, they couldn't call it off, but that probably would have looked bad. And, you know, ironically, yeah. there is some good stuff out there. I think what's happened in Ukraine is just remarkable. What a great, great story mm-hmm. that is. And the labor market is really strong. We don't have enough workers. But this inflation story does not play into the Biden narrative. It plays into the Republican narrative that we spent too much damn money. So how do you take this on the road? I mean, this was the this sort yeah. of the launch of this uh, this this line of. Uh, campaigning right and the optics that came with it. Joe Biden wants to go out there and say, I'm actually, I told you I would do it and I'm fixing inflation. It's it's just not going to, what's the old saying that that, that dog won't hunt? I yeah. mean, there's no uh, rationale for saying something like that. I mean, gasoline prices clearly are down. That's well, that's what story. I was going to point to, 90 days of lower gas he, prices. He, that's he, worth something, right? And he will. He'll point to that. But food has not budged. Food is still a real problem, and other things are inflationary as well. And now we might have a railroad strike. So there are still things that I think would argue that inflation will stay high. But the main problem, I would argue, is that workers who see an inflation rate of 8 or 9 percent or 15 percent in the U.K., they mm-hmm. want some of that. They want increases at that level, and that's going to be really contentious. You mentioned a possible rail strike. This is a really big deal, and it snuck up on 
a lot of people here. With the deadline on Friday, now there are two out of a, a dozen unions that have yet to come to terms here. Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary at the White House, was asked about it because we know now that members of the administration are, are personally involved, including, of course, our Labor Secretary Marty Walsh, Pete Buttigieg, the Transportation Secretary. Here's what uh, Karine Jean-Pierre was messaging today. We have made crystal clear uh, to the interested parties the harm that American families, businesses, and farmers and communities would experience if they were not to reach uh, a resolution. Uh, what's the line that the administration is going to use here? Should it be Congress write some legislation to deal with this? Don't look at us. Well, the president has already used a 60-day cooling-off period. He doesn't yep. have the ability to do another one. So it would have to be Congress. I don't see that happening. I, it may, maybe down the road, but I don't see an imminent move by Congress to do anything. Wow. So unless Marty Walsh can pull a rabbit out of his hat, and, and we can only assume that is still a possibility before Friday, give us a sense of what that means for the economy here. This is be a massive interruption, 90,000 well, workers. Yeah, there's two big stories here. One is commuters in a lot of big northeastern cities may have problems getting to work, and a lot of goods uh, will be delayed, in especially coal. So as we start the winter, oh, having a, uh, a gridlock in the coal area is, is not a, a real good story. Wow. Maybe another month of data. Is the White House data dependent, Greg? Yeah, I think so. Maybe we get a good number. Uh, maybe the economy will show some signs of growth. But again, this this is a, a clear debacle. It's a really bad day. And you know, of all the people who've been damaged, I'd put Buttigieg high on the list. He had a horrible summer with flight delays, flight cancellations. God knows. Now he's got his fingerprints on the railroad story. How about that? Greg Valliere, great conversation, and thank you for getting us set up here on the fastest hour in politics. We need to assemble the panel early because we want to get right to it with Rick and Jeannie. Greg, thank you. Our Bloomberg Politics contributors, Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Uh, give me a sense, Jeannie, of, of how that played for you today, watching the president uh, out there on the lawn. And I want to just pull everybody in here because it was late afternoon at the White House, just as the Dow Industrial Average was extending losses you know, beyond 1,000 points right around that time of day. The market's in a panic over the very same topic that the president was set to discuss, and that, of course, is inflation. But the distance, the distance from Wall Street to Washington was on full display here as we heard these sounds across the South Lawn. Let's listen. Just yesterday morning, they James Taylor. He had the trademark hat on, the brimmed hat. Brand new pair of boots for the occasion. He kicked things off with a little fire and rain. The White House program for the event refers to him as a Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient and a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's like a step away from the Ways and Means Committee. So why not? And I'm actually, well, I'm still not sure exactly. Jeannie Shanzano, is that the definition of tone deaf to have a party on the, on the lawn with a high-priced talent uh, to come and sing to you following a CPI like we saw this morning. You know, I can never say it's tone deaf listening to James Taylor. I'm a Is huge, that... huge fan. Um, you know, it, 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 there's a couple of unfortunate things. Number one, um, the fact that the bill was named um, an Inflation Reduction Act. Mm -hmm. um, it's I keep calling it an infrastructure bill myself because it fits their definition of a soft infrastructure bill. <laughs> and there's wonderful things in this bill that should be highlighted. The reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. 
um, if you look at the lowering of prescription drug costs, the lowering health insurance costs, energy costs. So there are wonderful things to celebrate. It was a huge achievement. But I think for me, when we look at what the press secretary had to say today, they've got to be able to message this properly. The reality is Americans won't feel the benefits of this, except in the case of prescription drugs, maybe in lower health yeah. insurance, for a while. And they have to be honest about that. And so, yes, James Taylor is fine. They deserve a victory lap. But they've <laughs> got to be honest about the real pain people are feeling now and yeah. the fact that they are willing to put aside their short-term political gains for long-term political help to the American public, regardless of what happens in the midterms. That should be the message. I'm... I'm very curious to hear uh, from Rick on this one. I mean, I don't know. Do you have James Taylor play inside for the VIPs later or something, Rick? I mean, it just it had this it had the, the smacking of, you know, a sort of rich guy's barbecue with the high priced talent talking about inflation when this is a bill that's planting seeds. Maybe you do have a celebration with James Taylor in a year when you have, you know, nine months of lower prices or something like that. How does this play for you? You know, it, this is the biggest blind spot that this administration has is their ability to execute. One year ago, they were withdrawing from Afghanistan and it was a disaster. I don't think anyone would doubt that they wanted to reduce the troops in Afghanistan. And many people were even for the, the withdrawal, but nobody wanted to do it in the haphazard fashion that this administration executed. Mm -hmm. And here we are on the morning of a CPI announcement and you're having an Inflation Reduction Act signing and you don't know what that is going to be. Well, yeah, they could have scheduled this thing on any day, even before <laughs> okay. or after. So somebody would have gotten have in CPI. trouble in Rick Davis's office uh, for this bit of scheduling. Fire the schedulers <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and start thinking about what's going on around you. I mean, and the fact that they got burned by the number. Well, you know, everybody was a little disappointed. You can't really yeah. honestly argue with that. But like tone deafness, yes, you have to tell them to cancel the band and take the, you know, <laughs> plan indoors and do it quietly at the Rose at the uh, presidential office, the Oval Office. So, I mean, like it's just they cannot get out of their own way. This is a ad ready to be made. Every Republican is going to have this in their quiver. And frankly, they yeah. gave back Republicans a message that was starting to dwindle, which is, oh, my God, we, we've got to quit talking about inflation. Well, not now. Not now, Jeannie, although this was supposed to be a messaging pivot. Do they put that right back in their pocket, or is this actually what we're going to hear between now and November? Yeah, I mean, they didn't put it back in their pocket. It's back in their pocket. That's the reality. We will hear it. They have a response to it, but they got to message it appropriately. JT, they call him, on Cape Cod and Martha's Vineyard, where gas prices, I believe, are still just right underneath the $5 mark, at least on the island. The panel stays with us next. As Lindsey Graham drops legislation on abortion, this is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So maybe it's happening again on both sides of the aisle, right? Joe Biden celebrates an inflation bill on the same day inflation runs hotter than feared. Markets tank. And while Republicans could be reinforcing their message on inflation... Senator Lindsey Graham grabs the wheel with a new proposal he rolls out today for a national abortion ban, a ban after 15 weeks. The senator explained why 15 weeks. I feel comfortable at 15 weeks. The science tells us that the nerve endings are developed to the point that the unborn child feels pain. And this is what people are covering for the Republican messaging today. Let's reassemble our panel 
Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Jeannie, is this as much of a gift to Democrats as what Joe Biden gave Republicans today on the South Lawn? Boy, is it ever. The political gods, they give and they take away. And There's here balance in the universe. Goes. There is. You know, inflation's rising. It's all Republicans want to talk about. It's all they should be talking about. And he swoops in to say something that almost every Republican just, you know, decided to walk away from. And Tom Tillis had it right. I want to be talking about inflation, he said. And now I've got to talk about this. And so, you know, it, it, you scratch your head to a imagine what Lindsey Graham is thinking. You know, he does, seems to be in a sort of a, a past state with this idea that this is about pro-life versus pro-choice, and it's not. Most voters are somewhere in the middle, and what they want Republicans to talk about now, and we saw this in New York 19, with a good candidate on the Republican side, is that they want them to say, like Mark Molinaro up there, what are the limits? Where do you draw the line? Is it rape? Is it incest? What is it? Or are you just going to let these legislatures run amok? And and that's what they should be talking about. And instead, or not talking about it at all, he's trying to talk about a ban. Well, let's be clear that this legislation includes exceptions for rape or incest. Uh, Fifteen weeks more stringent than bills that he has introduced in previous years. This is not a, the first turn for Lindsey Graham that would have made abortion illegal after 20 weeks. So this cranks it down to 15. And we need to be honest with everyone here, uh, as I think Lindsey Graham was today in his news conference. There's really no path for this. The bill is not likely uh, to get very far unless, of course, Republicans managed to get both the Senate and the House. So what's the point then, uh, Rick, if this doesn't have a path, why muddy the waters with this messaging? Or is is this actually what Republican voters want to hear? You know, I, Republican voters like hearing this, especially uh, pro-life Republican voters. He was surrounded by women activists in this area, all of whom he's been working with for, you know, three decades on this issue. You mentioned it. He's done this bill repeatedly every other year for the last 20 years hmm. since he's been a United States senator. I mean, this is not an unusual Lindsey Graham play. I mean, if anything, the only thing different this year is that he's gone exactly what you described from a 20 week ban to a 15 week ban based on what he's alluding to, which is a new new level of knowledge on science. But look, this is, you know, this is standard operating procedure for the vast majority of the Republican Party. So if you're Lindsey Graham and you want to continue to be seen as a, a major national player, sure. uh, you're going to actually talk about nationalizing an abortion ban. And uh, well, so a better question probably, Rick, would have been what is this? How does this play with with the Republican strategist in you? Is that the speech that you wanted to give today when you could have been harping on the CPI all morning? Yeah, no, you, he ought to be giving this speech next year after the midterms, right? I mean, he's not running for re-election. This isn't yeah. a naked political uh, grab on his part to win a re-election. This is just him trying to position himself as a player nationally. And the reality is, whatever level of insecurity he's got, you know, that he doesn't have to worry about that. He's a national player, whether he likes it or not. And there are days when he probably wishes he weren't. So, yeah, this this is off message. And if you're Mitch McConnell, you're scratching your head going, you know, look, Lindsay, I don't disagree with what you're trying to accomplish, but did you have to try to do it today? Um, just like we were talking about the Biden administration being a bit tone deaf on message today. So right. was Lindsey Grant. Yeah, we the, we've we have found the, the nexus here. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre Jeannie says uh, in a statement that was put out on this, Graham's bill is, quote, wildly out of step 
with what Americans believe, unquote. Um, it's it's sure difficult to quantify that. I know that Democrats think that this really is a winning issue going into November, but a lot of this is conjecture based on very few races since the Roe ruling, right? It is. I mean, there. you know, we don't know what the impact is going to be, but what we do know is there's a big difference sitting here today in September 2022 than there was six months ago. And that difference is the Dobbs decision that has resonated, whether it impacts voting in the midterm. We don't know. We know what happened in Kansas. We know what happened in New York 19. We know by reports there has been an increase in voter registration among women. So the potential is there for for this to be an issue. And we know if we go and we talk to women, they are concerned about what this means for their ability to make decisions about their own health care. And that's the danger here. You know, Lindsey Graham may be living in 2002, but this is 2022. And, uh, you know, the environment has changed on this issue and he doesn't seem to have caught up. And that's why Republicans are keeping an arm's distance yeah. from this today. You come at this from the other side, Senator John. John Thunrick says there are a lot of Americans out there in favor of reasonable restrictions. This bill would counter Democrats messaging that Republicans want to ban all abortions. Is there some truth to that? Sure, there is. I mean, you know, Lindsey has created this safe harbor for people for a long time. He's going to yeah. put out, you know, what is uh, deemed, at least in this debate, a reasonable position for a pro-life member of Congress. And uh, and people can retreat to that, right? Yeah. They can say, oh, well, I, I'm for the grand bill and not getting too much trouble. Rick and Jeannie, they'll be back on Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. It's a refrain that we've heard many times uh, from President Biden over the last couple of years even, but really over the past year in which we've seen high oil and gas prices about the number of leases that big oil companies hold to explore on federal land. Here he is back in June. This idea that they don't have oil to drill and to bring up is simply not true. This piece of the Republicans talking about Biden shut down feels wrong. 9,000 of them. 9,000 leases, he says, outstanding. And so they've talked about the use it or, or lose it rule and so forth. And we've explored this topic to learn that there's actually a lot more to getting a permit to drill for oil and gas even if you've got the, the lease on the land. That's why Senator Joe Manchin has pushed for reform in this permitting process to speed things up. And that's outraged a lot of progressives who did not know about this deal, which came from Manchin's negotiation with Chuck Schumer on the Inflation Reduction Act, the one celebrated today at the White House. See how it all comes around. The question, though, is why, in part, why are some Democrats against this reform as the bill is also balanced by climate spending and, and incentives for more renewable energy. And that's where we start with Frank Mezano, senior principal at Bracewell, back with us on Bloomberg Radio. It's great to have you here, uh, Frank. I realize we don't have actual language in legislation, but that says a lot about where we are in this process, right? There's no consensus on this. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. You're, uh, well, thanks for having me back. And I'm glad to talk about this because we're at a stage where we really don't know what uh, the details will be in this. And I just set that in the context of having 12 legislative days here remaining in September <laughs> and probably less than that because they want, because these guys want to get out of there, pass the CR and, and bump this to December, late November, December, and get back in campaign uh, in many of their states and congressional districts and things like that. So, you know, it's a really tight schedule. It's hard to believe that they'd be able to come to such detailed 
legislation uh, in, in such a short time frame, especially with the kind of opposition you're seeing from progressives, which yes. I'll get to in a minute. You know, the Republicans still aren't happy either because, you know, they've kind of been dragged along into this last minute budget deal all of a sudden, which was kind of a surprise to them. Well, it's interesting you say that, too, though, because the the other senator from West Virginia, Shelley Moore Capito, has her own bill. Joe Manchin must be loving this, right? It was introduced yesterday. uh, Shelley Moore Capito backed by 38 of her Republican colleagues. Joe Manchin. Uh, Frank doesn't even know if he can get 10. Are they going to cancel each other out in West Virginia? Yeah, I don't think so. But, you know, look, I think what you're starting to see is people recognizing that they don't have the time to do this in September. So they're starting to lay out their negotiating positions, right? As this, look, this is a serious effort. It is something that is not going to go away. If it passes here, um, in if it misses the CR here in September, it certainly is going to be a major discussion point uh, in any kind of lame duck budget session that would, would occur that we're going to have to get to because they're going to have to kick this into December. So it's not going away. It's something that Joe Manchin will continue to uh, hold out. So I think okay. what you're seeing is Shelley Moore Capito and the Republican side saying, hey, here's what we would take. And you have on the other side progressives in their letter saying we don't want this at all. Right. right. And I, I think that's a short sighted view in a sense, because the energy transition, Joe, doesn't happen unless we get some kind of permitting reform. Well, so Look, speak to that. If this permitting reform happens, does that actually speed the process to the point where we get increased domestic production and, and prices move? Can, can we connect those dots? I'll tell you what it does. It increases the opportunity for us to build renewable projects and transmission lines that can carry that renewable energy. Right. I mean, look, the reality is that the the utility industry, the oil and gas industry, in many cases, have already moved towards cleaner and better fuels. The utility industry is a good example. They're expanding wind. They're expanding solar. We need transmission lines to move it. But the bottom line is all of these things face opposition from local communities, from activist groups and from things like that. And so if you're going to have an energy transition as fast as progressives and environmental activists want it to occur, you're going to have to have some help um, in the permitting arena because that's the key. Is this a NIMBY um, issue or is this uh, an environmental issue in terms of the the infrastructure that you're talking about? In many cases, that is a NIMBY issue. We don't want it in our backyard. I mean, look, look, there's a giant solar project in uh, in Southern California called Ivanpah, which, which I worked on individually. And, you know, we had people fighting us for five or seven years on that project. Right now, we finally got over it. Right now, it's operating uh, and, and actually doing great and helping balance the, the, the grid in California, right, with the challenges that they face. And we, we, we would have gotten over it faster if there would have been some sort of permitting reform that could have helped yeah. us speed that along. You would think this would have more bipartisan line. support with what we've seen in Texas and in California. Absolutely. To your point, you couldn't have two states, you know, further apart politically here. But what Absolutely. what would it mean, Frank, for this uh, multi-billion dollar Mountain Valley natural gas pipeline in West Virginia? Well, I mean, look, I think the Mountain Valley pipeline is Joe Manchin's price of admission that's for what they this say. Whole process, right? And and look, for every one Mountain Valley pipeline you have, you have hundreds of renewable projects that are need that need this type of. Reform. Does that get approved and, though? Know, Is the not, pipeline a sure thing if he gets the bill? Well, I, I, we'll see. I mean, that you know, that's what he's shooting for. Who knows what the details will be on it? 
Yeah. But, um, you know, again, and frankly, we will need natural gas transmission lines because natural gas is a supporter of reliability and the grid when it comes to expanding renewables, right? That's one of the reasons yeah. why we've been able to expand renewables. So natural gas is going to be a player. Um, it will continue to be a player as we clean it through renewable natural gas and through, through hydrogen use in the future. So, you know, we need this type of infrastructure both from, uh, from the natural yeah. gas and clean uh, natural gas side to the, to the you know, electricity grid to uh, developing the projects themselves. Come back and talk to us when we get some print. I enjoy the conversation. Frank Masano with us from Bracewell on Sound On. We'll reassemble the panel next to get their thoughts on this for a moment and turn our attention as well to the Twitter whistleblower that made a lot of news today inside the Beltway. Another tough day for social media, big tech on Capitol Hill. That's ahead. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. It's not the only news on Twitter today. In fact, not Elon Musk this time, but a whistleblower here in Washington. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Yet another call for regulation on big tech and specifically on social media. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Thanks for joining us on Bloomberg Sound On, the fastest hour in politics as we try to keep you up to date with what's always happening at the White House. And an interesting update, a curious update here in the president's schedule late in the day as well. He's on his way to Wilmington, Delaware tonight. Strangely, you know, you don't see a lot of unannounced moves like that. Strangely, he's coming back tonight as well. Somebody asked if he kept the a faucet running. A quick run to the house in Wilmington, Delaware. We don't know why yet. We'll let you know. As we reassemble the panel here for an interesting turn in the news about Joe Manchin. Rick Davis is with us. Jeannie Shanzano. You always do wonder, Rick, you know, when you get a a piece of news like that, what's behind it? Donald Trump was seen stepping out of a private jet wearing golf shoes at Dulles Airport a couple of days ago as well. Yeah, I mean, what's with these two guys both having mystery trips in the same week? Uh, is it the DOJ? Is it just their own social <laughs> calendar? I mean, what's going on in Washington? Uh, Jeannie, this is interesting with Joe Manchin here. Could he be the one in this case who actually, you know, he had the deal, but he's the one who ends up empty handed. And I say that knowing he got a lot in the Inflation Reduction Act. But this permitting reform bill is being challenged by both sides. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's so fascinating because when the deal was struck, who didn't think ahead that this was going to be coming down the pike? And, you know, was it Joe Manchin? Was it, you know, Chuck Schumer? Was it Joe Biden? So if he is left empty handed, you've got to wonder whose fault that is. And I think Frank made a really important point, too, in fact, Number one, there's very little time left to get this CR put together with this amount of pushback on it. And number two, the idea that permitting reform is important to get to renewable, that's a message that if that's what Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden and others believe, they should be putting out there and they should have gotten Bernie Sanders and other Democrats and people who care about the environment, rightly so, on their side to say, this is a step in the right direction. None of that seems to have happened. And so here we are again, a government potentially could get shut down without a budget passed. And, you know, it's going to be 
Craig really in Chuck Schumer's face if this happens. Well, is it on Chuck Schumer to, to get this moving here, Rick? You've been around enough Senate deals to kind of get a sense of this. Maybe there's a noisy period like this. Maybe this bill goes, once it's done uh, and, and, and written, goes together with the Capitol bill to create, uh, like Frank was saying, something more palatable to both sides. Yeah, you know, look, I mean, you see this all the time when you're coming to the end of a cycle like this, you know, and it's September and it's election year and you have all these people running around saying, oh, this is the stuff I want to pack into the CR. Uh, you know, the president wants his stuff. You know, uh, Joe Manchin wants his, quote, deal payoff. Uh, but the reality is you got to talk to the appropriators because they're the only ones that really matter in this. And everything I'm hearing is at least from the Republican side, Richard Shelby is going to have a clean CR. He's not going to give Biden anything and he's not going to give Manchin anything. And huh. and he's not going to give any Republicans anything. He's going to no. put a clean CR on the table and say, vote for this. And the likelihood is if that's what he does, then that's what's going to happen. How about it? Uh, interesting language today, which brings us to one of the most bipartisan issues on Capitol Hill. And that is, of course, uh, cracking down on big tech uh, a whistleblower hearing today, a Twitter whistleblower before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, this is a former executive and a, uh, a self-described hacker saying that the company's years behind when handling and protecting user data. That's yours. In fact, he had some pretty, pretty wild lines uh, about this. Uh, Peter Zatko goes by his online profile name, Mudge, and he told the committee today that the mishandling of data at Twitter could easily fall into the wrong hands, and that goes for anyone who is using the platform. Here he is. I'm here today because Twitter leadership is misleading the public, lawmakers, regulators, and even its own board of directors. They don't know what data they have, where it lives, or where it came from, and so, unsurprisingly, they can't protect it. This kind of vulnerability is not in the abstract. It's not far-fetched to say that employee inside the company could take over the accounts of all of the senators in this room. Huh. How about that for a line, Rick Davis? I don't know if that brings it home for people, but a lot of senators have been licking their chops over an opportunity to crack down, uh, to regulate these websites. Did it get any closer today? Well, you know, I think it shows just how Wild West some of this um, uh, internet technology is, right? I mean, like, we always think of this stuff as like, you know, mathematical formulas, right? Oh, this stuff is absolutely straightforward, but it's not. And 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 I think the look into this is 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 illuminating. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's Twitter, right? It's not your bank account. It's not your social security number. Uh, you know, it's Twitter. And I like, thought it was the know, digital public square, Rick. Come on. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, ask Elon Musk. Uh, no telling how he's going to change it. And so. If the worst thing that happened is that we just find out that these guys are just lousy managers, uh, it's going to add fuel to the reform movement on Capitol Hill for sure. Huh. But like of all the things we've heard about being penetrated, your Twitter account should worry anybody. Well, I'll tell you what. Listen to John Kennedy, the Republican senator from Louisiana, uh, because he's uh, well, I'll, I mean, he he spins the tail as well as anybody. Listen. This makes me want to stick my head in the oven. This is disgusting. <laughs> and we're not talking about uh, um, uh, people that, that, that uh, don't understand technology. I'm talking about the board of directors, all of the engineers at, at uh, Twitter, the CEO. They all knew all of this. 
this is very basic stuff. It's very easy to fix, uh, except for one little problem. It costs money. Jeannie, we've all wanted to put our head in an oven, I think, at some point because of Twitter. Uh, he just has a special way of saying it. I just are, are we on the way to like a big tobacco style hearing where you've got the heads of all the social media sites all being uh, asked, you know, difficult questions specifically about security, about national security, people's privacy and so forth? Or have they already played that tune? Is, is this just another hearing today? I thought this hearing was fascinating, and to me, it was much broader than Twitter. I thought that the attack was not so much on Twitter, and they do have sensitive information, by the way. They have our geolocations. They have our emails associated with our accounts. A lot of personal yep. information is housed at Twitter, and according to this whistleblower, employees have access to all of that, and they haven't been able to ferret out or identify foreign uh, you know, uh, people who are working from the Chinese government, according to the FBI and others. So that is a scary proposition. But I think even scarier is the fact when he said that our U.S. regulators are not up to par and that Twitter, like most social media sites, is more scared of the French equivalent of the FTC than our own. And so this is a failure in my mind of not just Twitter or any single corporation or any single social media site, but regulation overall. Yes, there's a bipartisan consensus and these senators can say whatever they want. Reality is we've seen very little action on any of this and we've well, all left, right. been left vulnerable because we all have to use it to live in this world. And it, so that know, is a scary proposition. You, you can count the bills. There are just a number of pieces of legislation waiting in committee uh, that that could affect some of what we're talking about here, Rick. But we can't even get a budget done right now with the midterms and so forth. This isn't the conversation for today, is it? You know, it's an ongoing conversation. I mean, uh, Jeannie's right. There are lots of issues uh, related to but unrelated to uh, this current you know, uh, uh, situation with Twitter. Uh, but I would say, too, I mean, you know, the reason that there's a scarier French regulator is because they pass laws that are very counter to free enterprise and entrepreneurship, right? I mean, like, yeah. there's a reason there's no, there's not a Twitter version in France of the kind of uh, 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 kind of unique characteristics that we're able to do. There's a reason the largest uh, internet companies in the world are either here or in China. So um, it's, I, you get what you pay for. Uh, I do think that the idea that the FTC just allows the, the internet companies to regulate themselves is in for a change. But the worst thing you can do is take an engine of growth like these have been for our country and the technology advances we've made through them all, not necessarily just Twitter, um, and and put a cap on that. So uh, I, think, I think that's one of the issues that Capitol Hill's wrestling with is they don't want to stifle the growth of our industry, but they also don't want to get them, let them get away with unfettered uh, deregulation. It is pretty amazing that this hearing takes place the same day the Elon Musk headline uh, drops here. Jeannie, is this going to be an issue in 24? It's obviously too late to be a major decider here in the midterm elections, but 24, especially if you've got Donald Trump or a Trump-endorsed candidate uh, running for president, it's, it's going to be a big talker. It is. And I think it's something that everybody can understand because we are all vulnerable to it. And, you know, the reality is we have to both be able to create fabulous new technology and protect our national security and our privacy at the same time. It's yeah. doable, but there's got to be a will in the federal system to do that. Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis make up our signature panel here on Sound On. A great talk tonight. We covered a lot of ground here. 
And by the way, happy primary day. This is it for primary season. Tomorrow night, we'll review the results from New Hampshire, Delaware, and beyond. On the fastest hour in politics, I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg.